Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message groups and in community and in discipleship and growing together. And then our summer semester will be kicking off the first week of June. And so you'll be getting more information about that in the near future. And then the last thing is next steps. Um, As we prepare to move into a new building and uh, serve people well, and hello, there we are. And (laughs) As we prepare to, to make that transition and we want to serve people well and build thriving teams, and so we are uh, putting together a just a one session, uh, get it all in one moment, next steps. It's going to be Sunday, May the 23rd, and so we want you to mark your calendar. If you've never been through next steps, if you have, uh, maybe you served at one point and you've kind of stepped away from serving, now is a great time to get back on a team. This is an opportunity where you'll hear about our vision and mission, all of those details, and you'll get information about teams, how you can get involved, how you can connect, all of that good stuff. And so we want you to be right here at this location. We're going to be here on Sunday, May the 23rd at 5 p.m. Child care will be provided, so uh, we'll have something for your kids and uh, have some people that will be able to take care of them and love on them while you are uh, getting connected and learning all that you need to learn on that night. So May the 23rd, keep that in mind right here at Heritage Hall. And Come on, was it was anybody here last week? I, I I know we were out of town. We we had an anniversary. Come on, we celebrated 14 years of being married. Yeah, that may not <laughs> sometimes we think about that and we're like, well, you know, that doesn't seem like a whole lot, but um man, it just it's it's something to celebrate. And so we were able to get away and uh just enjoy some time together. And so uh it was a good time last week. But come on, Lucas. Miller, one of our elders within uh, within our church, brought the word last weekend, and and I went back and listened to it on the podcast, and I sent him a text, and I said, "Dude, that was that was killer, <laughs> that was awesome, that was such a great word. Come on, wasn't it such a great word for our church and for you? And man, it was so powerful, and uh, so thankful for him stepping in and doing that and using the gift that God's put on his life uh, to to speak into you and to our church. And today we're beginning a new series." Uh, that we are calling Life on the Edge. Somebody say Life on the Edge. Life on the Edge. Tell your neighbor, come on, look at your neighbor, tell them, tell them, tell them, say, you need to live life on the edge. You need to live life on the edge. <laughs> we are, we're going to be in this series, uh, and, and I think we're going to be here for four parts and we're going to talk about four different ways that we're called to really live our lives or how, how our lives should really, it should just flow out of us as we follow Jesus. Some things, some, some, some attributes, some things that, that, that should just naturally, I think, come out or stand out as we follow after Jesus. And so hopefully you're going to get something and I'm going to get something out of this series even as, as I'm preparing it for us. But um, I wonder when you think about what it looks like to live life on the edge, what comes to mind? If you were to just think, what does it look like for somebody to live life on the edge? Have you ever known someone that you just thought they live life on the edge? And I jotted some things down 
as I was thinking through this, I think of somebody with no fear. They are dedicated. They're willing for whatever. They're passionate, devoted. They're sold out. They're willing to risk it all for what they believe in. I mean, they are living life on the edge. I was thinking about, I used to watch these videos, and sometimes you ever get on YouTube and you just kind of get in this, you know, you go down this YouTube hole, <laughs> right? Like you watch, you get on there for one video, and then they like suggest another video, and you're like, oh, that looks kind of cool. And, and before you know it, you've watched 17 videos, and like two hours have gone by, and you're like, wow, okay, where did the time go? But some of the things that I, I used to watch quite a bit, I like the, the people that you see like over the Grand Canyon and they're walking on a tightrope. You know what I'm saying? Like they're walking across the Grand Canyon or some, some daredevil. I, don't, I, I remember, um, I, I think his name, come on, I'm, I'm not that old, but I remember Evil Knievel. And man, he would do these, these incredible jumps on a motorcycle, and I remember watching those things, and I enjoy watching things like that. It's almost like you enjoy watching things where somebody might die, right? You know, it's like, if, there, if this is like life and death is involved, like, whoo, you know, we get this adrenaline rush out of this. And so a lot of times I think about that, and I think, wow, that's somebody who's living life on the edge. I mean, they're willing to just risk it all for what they believe in, what they want to do. You know, sometimes it's for attention. They're willing to risk it all to gather people together to watch me do this one thing. And when I think about the edge, and really what I want to talk about in this series as we go through this is, is I think about even the edge. We like to think about people that live life on the edge dangerously, but think about the edge of, of a knife or a blade. And, and one thing I want to I want to give you this definition. This is the definition that I pulled up of the word edge and kind of where I want to go in this series. It's the sharpened side of the blade of a cutting implement or a weapon. And so when we're talking about living life on the edge, here's, here's what you realize when you think about a knife, when you hold a knife in your hand, you think of a knife that has, and I know there are some that, that it's not this way, but most of the time you pull something out in the kitchen or something and there are two sides, there are two edges, right? There's one edge that is sharp and there's one edge that is dull. <laughs> there's one edge that is sharp that's gonna get the job done and there's one edge that is dual. And whenever you pick up a knife to use it, how many of you, you don't flip it over to the, to the dull side, to the flat side, to try to cut what it is that you need to cut. Right, we were in our house this last week, and I'm not very good at this. I'm not even gonna pretend like I'm very good at this, but we had this cantaloupe. Come on, anybody like cantaloupe? We had cantaloupe in our house, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna cut this cantaloupe up. And I cut this thing up wrong. Like, it is not, I am not your cantaloupe cutter, okay? But here's what I know is when you pull the big knife out of the knife block or out of the drawer, you don't flip it over to the dull side and act like, I'm going to cut this cantaloupe. I'm going to cut this watermelon. Come on, summertime's coming up. Anybody like watermelon? Whew, I got to quit talking about food. Y'all getting hungry. Making myself hungry. We pick it up to use the sharp side of the blade. And I wonder how many of us are living our lives as, as followers of Jesus on the dull edge. We're not living life on the sharp edge. We're living life on the dull edge. And it's like when we get up in the morning and we go through our week and we, 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 we go through our routines, we're living life not the way that God intended for us to live it in a lot of ways. And it's dull. It's not, it's, not, it's not getting anything accomplished for the kingdom. It's not reaching anybody else for Jesus. 
It doesn't look like, you know, as, we, as we're going to look in here, like what following Jesus might look like in these four different areas that we're going to talk about. Some of us, maybe our lives don't look like this, but there are some shifts and some things that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do in us so that we can truly follow Jesus in the way that he intends. And so when you think about what it looks like to live life on the edge and sold out for Jesus, what comes to mind? And I wonder if you can picture you living life completely devoted and sold out to Jesus in every way. I'm just devoted, I'm sold out, I'm passionate. I don't care what you say, I don't care what you do, I don't care, I don't care what comes against me. I am sold out and I'm gonna live my life in this way. And here's what Jesus said when he was talking directly to his disciples and it's something that we can take to heart and apply it to our lives today. This is in Matthew 16 and many of us, we know this, verses 24 and 25 says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living and if need be suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it that is life with me for all eternity. One of the things that I, I, I like reading the Amplified Bible a lot of times because it has these parentheses and things, and you've heard me talk about this, but it kind of dives into what that word means on a deeper level. And so we see the phrase, you know, if it, you, you need to be willing to endure whatever may come, or you need to take up your cross, and you need to follow me. And one of the phrases that sticks out to me is this phrase right here. Do we have this on the screen? Can you go to that next one? Conforming to my example of living. And so as it defines and it gives an example in the brackets of what it might look like to follow Jesus, when Jesus was talking about, you need to take up your cross and follow me, part of that is that you would conform to his example of living. Not that you would add Jesus to how you want to live. Because that's not following. That's doing your own thing. But when you follow, Jesus said, here's, here's what it looks like. If, if, if you really study into this word, one of the things that it looks like for you to follow me is that you would conform to my example of living. And so I want to talk about that because Jesus said that following him looks like conforming in this way. And so what does it look like to live this way? Well, for the next few weeks, we're going to look at these four different things. And hopefully during this series, we're going to sharpen our edge. Some of us, we're going to flip the knife over in our life, and we're going to begin to live life on the right edge, on the sharp edge. For some of us, we're going to sharpen our edge because we've already been living that way. But in this series, we're going to take each letter of the word edge as an acronym, and I think there are four things that the Lord gave me that I'm going to share with you in the next few weeks. And today, as we kick this off, I want to talk to you on this subject. This is the title today, Emptied of Myself. What does it look like to follow after Jesus? I think one of the things it looks like is for you to be emptied of you. For me to be emptied of me. And see, what we like to do a lot of times is is we say we've surrendered our life to Jesus. But we've left a little bit of me. (laughs) I've surrendered except for right here. 
I want this little bit of me because this is what I think is best and this is what I would like to do and this is what, what I, and, and God knows all of those things and what I think he's desiring for your life and for my life is for you and I to be emptied of ourselves. As we follow Jesus that we would be emptied of ourselves and I want to look with, uh, together at a passage. This is in John chapter 3. And just to give you some context and what's happened right before this, many of you know John 3.16. And so Jesus has just had a conversation with Nicodemus. And he has told Nicodemus what we know as John 3.16, one of the most quoted verses in all the Bible, that, you know, that, that God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then just a few verses later, right, they, they leave Jerusalem Jesus and the disciples, and this is where we pick up the story. It says, then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him. And they said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one that you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves, come on, that's a word for somebody. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and, and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become, come on, this is, we know this verse, many of us have heard this verse in different translations, but he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. And I want to pull just two things this morning really quickly out of these verses that we just read that I think are going to help us in our walk with, in following Jesus. The first thing is going to be a temptation that we're going to face. And the second thing is going to be what I believe is an antidote to the temptation that we're going to face. So here's point number one. You will be tempted to make it about you. You are going to be tempted to make it about you. Did you see it in the, in the story that we just read? John, is, he's got his disciples. They're baptizing people. They're doing, you know, John the Baptist, that's what he did. He baptized people. And he's baptizing people. And, and, and we read through this, and, and we'll look at it. Let's, let's pick it up in, uh, in verse 24 or verse 25. It says, a debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, somebody said, here's what they said. Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. Everybody's going to, you remember that guy that, that we, we met on the other side and you said, hey, there he is, there's the Messiah, there's the person that you need to follow. Hey, he is baptizing people. He's, he's stepping into our ministry. He's stepping into my area. To our area. Excuse me, John. Our area. He's doing what we have been known for. And everybody has started going to him. Instead of coming to us. 
everybody has started going to this other guy instead of coming to us. In, in other words, John, are you not upset? Are you not a little bit concerned? Are you not a little bit discouraged that everybody has started going to him and they have stopped coming to you? They, like, John, we're just standing around. We got nothing to do. Because everybody has started going to Jesus and they've stopped coming to us. And here's, here's what I've discovered and what I think you'll discover if you haven't already. As you serve the Lord and as you follow after Jesus, the enemy will give you plenty of opportunities to make it all about you. You're following Jesus. You're serving God. You're serving in the church. You're doing what you feel like God's called you. You're passionate. And then in comes the enemy and he just slithers right on in there. And he wants to try to get you to make it all about you. Well, do, have, you have you just stopped and thought about what you've done? Have you just stopped and thought about how much they need you? Have you stopped and thought about how important you are? Don't you see how successful, aren't you just so glad that you're doing what you're doing because you are just so successful. Aren't you just so proud of yourself? You just need to pat yourself on the back and just let everybody know how important you are. Maybe they just don't recognize how important you are. Maybe they just don't see like everything that, everything that God has called you to do and how passionate you are about that thing. And it started off, what started off as you serving God, the enemy has now tried to twist and turn. And instead of you making it about Jesus, which it was at the very beginning, I just want to serve God. I want to be anywhere that he wants me to be. I just want to do whatever he wants me to do. The enemy still is like, aren't you, just, don't you just think that you, like, you're just so successful? Everybody's just so proud of you. Everybody's just looking to you. Everybody's just all about you. Like, isn't this such a cool deal? Look at all you've done. Look at the success you've had, right? Or, or sometimes it's, well, people, people used to come to you, and now they're going to somebody else. Let's make it about you. People, people used to be surrounding you, and now they're going to somebody else. Are you not... Are you not a little bit worried? Are you not a little bit concerned? And John's disciples, I love John's disciples in the story. They come to him to let him know that everybody has started going to Jesus to be baptized instead of coming to them. You ever had, you ever, you ever been serving God or, or, or doing what you felt like the Lord called you to do? And, and you had someone point out something because they were bothered and they wanted you to be bothered because they were bothered? And John's disciples come to John, and, and John's just baptizing the people that are coming, and he's just excited because Jesus is on the scene, and, and he knows, you know, and, and John's disciples are like, John, we're just a little bit worried, you know. Like, everybody's going over here to Jesus, and, you know, that guy that you told us about, and it's like, we're all about him, you know, he's, he's He's cool, but you know, we got, a, we got a ministry thing going on here. We got a good thing going on here. Like, are you not as bothered as we are <laughs> about the fact that we used to have like 350 people a day coming and just getting in the water and like, hey, can you baptize me? And, and now we're down to like, you know, 30. And I love, <laughs> I love this picture in my mind because I think we can all relate to this on some level. 
to where you're, you're serving God and you don't, even, you don't even realize, you don't even, like you're just passionate about serving God. And, and somebody comes somebody comes your way and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of bothered about this. I just think that, you know, like, it, like it, it used to be like this and, and you used to be like really important and it looked like you were really successful and now it doesn't, you know, and so I'm like, are you, can you be bothered with me about what, I, what I'm seeing, what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm thinking is going on? Like, you know, we're not getting all of the attention anymore. And so we need to be bothered together and as I read this story it makes me wonder if John's disciples were maybe enjoying the crowds that they had become accustomed to the people that were coming to them for what they needed or maybe they found their identity in what they were doing instead of remembering why they were doing what they were doing come on isn't this a temptation for all of us to 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 in this way, and we don't realize a lot of times, I don't even think we realize we're doing this a lot of times, myself included, but it, it, it becomes this thing and it's like, all of a sudden it's more about me than it is about why I'm doing what I'm doing in, in this area, why I'm doing what I'm doing on my job that's serving God in this way, why, why it is that God put me there in the first place at this place of work or in this career or, or whatever it is, and, and now it's become more about a frustration because I, you know, it, it used to be one way and I was feeling good about it and I felt like God was blessing me and now it doesn't seem like I'm, and, and, and we have a tendency to start making it about me. Maybe, maybe John's disciples had begun to enjoy maybe the recognition that they received as the main guys in John's ministry of baptism. I, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of reading into what might be going on as to why they would come to John and say, you know, we're a little bit concerned because everybody's going to that guy and they're no longer coming to us. You ever found yourself proud of what you had accomplished or what you were accomplishing. Have you ever have you ever spent time in prayer? This has happened to me. And have you ever you ever told God like you you're in a struggling season and you told God everything that you were doing for God? <laughs> and and it's like God, I've been doing this for you and I've been doing this and look at look at what or or you've had one of these moments you're like, "Look at you look at your life and you're like, "Look at what we look at what we've been able to do." And the Holy Spirit, you know, on the inside of you is like, excuse me? Look at what you've been able to do or what we've been able to do as I've worked through you. As I've empowered you to do it. Maybe sometimes pride has crept in and I was thinking about this and pride is what caused Satan to be thrown out of heaven. And here's, here's something that I find interesting is that Satan rebelled against God in this area of pride. And I believe that his objective, a big part of his objective is to get you to rebel against God. But a lot of times he's going to try to get you to rebel against God without you even realizing that you're rebelling against God. And so he'll kind of slither in and, and he'll bring some, some, some pride. I think that's how he, he accomplishes this a lot of the times is he'll bring pride in. And when we fall into the lie that our life is about us, that's when bitterness sets in. That's when offense starts setting in, when we start making it about me. When I start making it about me, everything becomes personal. Every, like, like I'm e more easily offended. I, I let bitterness take root in my heart because I've made it about me and I've lost, I've lost the why. 
behind why I initially started this or why, why I initially felt like, man, thank you, God, for putting me in that place or in that position or at this job or, or in, in, in this sphere of influence. And, and then it somehow became about me. You know, 1 Corinthians, it tells us that we don't belong to ourselves because we were bought with a high price. And the enemy is going to tempt you to make your life all about you. But you have to remember something that I think John remembered in this moment, which leads us to point number two, and it's simply this. Make a big deal of Jesus. What is the antidote to the temptation of you making it all about you? Is to always make a big deal about Jesus. Always make a big deal about Jesus. Everything that you do and you say in your life should make a big deal about Jesus. And let's look at it again, the last three or four verses. It says, John replied when his disciples came to him, they said, hey, are you not concerned about this? He says, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's family is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. I love the fact that John's pride, whenever the disciples came and said, man, like the guy that you pointed out as the Messiah, more people are going to him, and more and more people are going to him, and less and less people are coming to us, and John's pride was not wounded. He didn't take a step back and think, we need to think about this. He was, not, he was not offended that more and more people were going to Jesus. I was thinking about weddings. Anybody like weddings? You like weddings, going to weddings? Come on, we like to post photos, don't we? We get all dressed up and we're like, woo, wedding date, hashtag, you know. And I was thinking about weddings. And one thing that John mentions whenever he is responding when he's responding to what his disciples have come and told him, this concern that they're bringing, is John points it all, he points it all back to Jesus. And here's basically what he says. He says, I'm on an assignment. The assignment that I have been given, it has been given to me by God. And so I'm going to focus on my assignment. I'm going to focus on what it is that God's called me to do. And I'm going to do that faithfully. And I'm so excited at the success of Jesus. I'm so excited that more and more people are going to Jesus, right? Making, there's, there's this idea at a wedding. You ever showed up at a wedding and made a big deal of you when you weren't the one getting married? <laughs> we just don't do that. We go to a wedding and we're like, whew, this is all, come on, we say it all the time. We're like, oh, this is all, this is their day. This is their day. Like, oh, everybody just looks awesome. Look at the, look at the bridal party. This is just so cool. And John uses this analogy and he says, listen, the, the, the best man is not there to make it all about them, but to make it all about the person it's, it's their day, the person who's getting married. And he says, it, he says it this way, that it is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is just simply glad to stand with him. Just simply glad to be invited. Just simply glad to have been given that place. To been given this, this opportunity to be faithful with this thing that God has given them. John says, I've, I've been on assignment. Nothing, like it all comes from God. 
And God gave me an assignment. And my assignment was to prepare the way. So I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to try to make it all about me. I'm going to make it all about Jesus, right? The, the best man at a wedding, his role has been assigned by the groom. You have an assignment from God. You are where you are. You are on the path that you're on. God has pl- I believe that God has placed you in careers and in families and, and, and in relationships with people and, and things that you don't even quite comprehend maybe just yet. But it's because you're on assignment. And here's what, here's what John knew. He knew that his role had been assigned to him by God. So he was content to receive only what God wanted him to receive. When you're making it all about Jesus, you'll be content to receive whatever, whatever it is, God, that you want to give me. I'm not looking for the recognition. I'm not looking for the success. I just want to be faithful and obedient in what you have assigned me to do. And in the process, I'm going to make it all about you. I'm going to make a big deal about you and your glory. I'm going to make sure you get all the praise and you get all the glory because it's not about me. My life is not my own. I was bought with a high price, and this is not about me. This is about him your career and your assignment and your your calling it's about him it's not about you it's not about me and John he says I'm so happy that people are looking to Jesus I'm so excited that it's becoming less and less about me I'm so glad it's becoming more and more about Jesus what would it look like in our lives if we surrendered our desires and our will to God's will said, I'm on an assignment, God, whatever it is that you have for me to do in this season, and if you change it, I'm going to be fine with that. If you lead me somewhere else, I'm going to be fine with that because my job, I just want to be faithful and obedient. This is not about me. I'm going to be emptied of myself, and it's going to be all about you. What if we lived our lives as Christians in the way that Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 20? He says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust, look at this, that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. What, what are you going to do with a person that believes that? <laughs> what? How could, how could we turn the world upside down for Jesus if everybody that was a follower of Jesus said, if I live, I'm just living for Christ, and if I die, I get to go be with him. So, woo, win-win. <laughs> what would it look like? See, we're so, we're so consumed and concerned about things and whoa, worried about this and that, and, and, and Paul, Paul gets it. And he writes this down. He's writing to Philippians, and he says, To live is Christ and to die is gain. If I die, I get to be with Jesus. If I stay on this earth and I continue to live, I'm living for Jesus. In other words, either way, it's all about Jesus. Either way, I'm on an assignment and I'm going to make it all about Jesus. I'm just excited to be serving God. I'm excited to be passionate about God. I'm excited for the assignment that he has given me in this season. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to do it with all my heart. I'm going to make a big deal about him. I'm not going to make it about me. I'm just going to follow after Jesus. I'm going to be emptied of my Self. See, Paul was a man who embraced the truth that his life is meant to bring honor to Jesus. I want to bring the worship team back up this morning. I heard someone make this statement and it stuck with me and I want to share it with you today and, and just ask you to, 
to search your heart and let this settle with you where it settles because I know where it settled with me. And this person made the statement, said, if you aren't being filled up as a Christian, maybe it's because you're full of yourself. <laughs> if you're not being full, filled up daily, if, if you don't feel like, like, I just can't be, I'm just not being filled up daily, could it be that maybe it's because you're already full of something else? And maybe it's you. Maybe I'm full of me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being filled up by the Holy Spirit every day because I'm full of me. And there's no room for anything else. Because I've made it all about me. It's time that we are emptied of ourselves so that we can be filled with what actually matters. We have to wake up daily and empty ourselves of ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will always point everything back to Jesus. If you're full of the Holy Spirit every day, Lord, just fill me again with your spirit today. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I want to be faithful and obedient today. The Holy Spirit will always make it about Jesus. In fact, in John 16, this is what Jesus himself said. He said, the spirit of truth will bring glory to me because he will take what I have to say and tell it to you. The Holy Spirit inside of you is going to continually point back to Jesus. Point back to Jesus, pointing back to Jesus, pointing back to Jesus. That's why we can't be full of ourselves, so to speak. We have to be full of the Holy Spirit. And the only way that we can truly be filled with the Holy Spirit is we have to, we have to die to ourselves. Jesus said, you have to take up your cross and follow me. You have to take up, you have to die to you so that you can be filled with him. So that you can truly follow after him. Will you stand to your feet this morning? I want you to just think for a moment. Because we're all coming from different, we all have different assignments. We all have uh, different, you know, unique callings. We are all in different careers and different, different jobs and different spheres of influence and we're around different people, a lot of us. And so I want you to think for just a moment, for you personally, for you personally, what would it look like for your life to look like this statement? He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. For me and what my assignment is, how can I make Jesus greater and greater and make me less and less? It's not that you look down on yourself and have no self-worth. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about living a life that says, this is all, my life is to bring honor and glory to Jesus. I'm on an assignment and I want everything that I do and everything that I say to bring honor and glory to him. And so how can I, what would it look like for us to wake up tomorrow morning and say, how can Jesus become greater and greater and me become less and less? How can I empty out all of me so that I can be filled completely with him and follow after him today? What would it look like in your life for you personally to live this out? That he becomes greater and greater. And when the enemy tries to sneak in and bring pride or tries to sneak in and bring discouragement or tries to sneak in and bring whatever he's going to try to bring in your life, that you would respond and say, like John did, he, 
he must become greater and I must become less. It's, it's all about him, not about me. My life is for his glory and for his honor. I think this is one of the reasons why it's so important to that are that are outside of you what do you mean by that serving people going going on a mission trip surrendering in some area of your life to say you know what in this area of my life this is the area of my life that he is not greater and greater that that i have held on to me in this area and how in this area of my life can i make him greater and greater and me less and less this is why I would encourage you, listen, this is why I would encourage you to, to get on the team, to be serving somewhere, to, to get on a, on a Saturday serve day and, and serve in our community, to get on a team and serve your brothers and sisters in Christ once a month. This is why we, this is why we're doing next steps coming up on May the 23rd is so that so that we can gather all the people and we can say listen how can we all serve one another how can we all join together and not make this about me but make it all about him and whatever I need to do to serve and make him greater I'll become less I'll be emptied of me because my life is all about Jesus becoming greater pray for you and then we're going to sing what would it look like for you personally come on make it personal we serve a personal God and he has an assignment for you and what what would it look like in your life for you to make him greater and you less him greater and you less because that's where true success is John knew it. He said, no, I'm on an assignment and it's not to make it about me. I'm preparing the way. I'm just happy to be on an assignment by my heavenly father because it's all about him and I want him to be greater and me to become less because it's all about him anyway. Amen. So Lord, today we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you for God, what we can learn and how we can grow from things that you've spoken good. <laughs> hey, really quick, more information about that through the month of May and how you can sign up, how you can join a group and have next.